take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of John, the book of John chapter 5, and I'm going to read to you from off the screen here. How many of you ever heard the term calculated risk? Have you ever heard that term calculated risk? I'm going to take a calculated risk. I want you to remind me to talk to you about that at the end of our message. Okay? Will you do that? What are you supposed to remind me about, Kevin? I was thinking. What are you guys supposed to remind me? Calculated risk. Okay? We're asking all of you to remind me about that. If you take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of John chapter 5, I'm going to read to you from the King James Version that we have up here on our screen. It says this. It says, after this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now, there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, a blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. That's what they're doing. They're waiting for the moving of the water. For angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in, was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there, which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? The impotent man answered, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. Father, we pray that you would add the blessing to the reading of your word. I pray that you would speak to our hearts and minister to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. The title of our message is, Do You Want to Be a Victim Forever? Look to the person next to you and just look them in the eye and say, Are you going to be a victim forever? Now make sure they don't hit you. Look to the person on the other side. Are you going to be a victim forever? I've had the privilege of standing on this very site in Jerusalem and viewing the remains of the pool of Bethesda that for centuries was covered by dirt and other buildings and debris until archaeologists discovered the remains there in around the 19th century. When you stand there on that location, you and your mind can go back nearly 2,000 years and see this beautiful, ornate public space. You think we have nice outdoor living places now. I'm telling you, it would have been a beautiful outdoor space. Huge, beautiful, hand-cut stone walls. These big stone-cut walls. A rock-cut channel brought a steady stream of water from the reservoir into the pool. There were five covered colonnades that you could get out of the sun under. I'm sure in the day there were a few palm trees there. The walls are tall, so you can kind of tuck back in against the shade of the wall, depending on where the sun is seated at the time. And it would be a little bit cooler there because of the water and because of the shade. And as I read this scripture this week, I read it in a whole new light. 
And I'd like you for a moment to try to shed from yourself the ideas that you have about this portion of Scripture before. Because before I always felt really sorry for this guy. I always felt a lot of pity for this gentleman. This was a place, according to Scripture, that the Bible says there was a great number of disabled people would come and lay there. This guy in particular had been there for 38 years. 38 years every day. He had come and lay by the pool. To be honest, I mean, Jesus asked him a question. And for many years, I couldn't understand why he'd ask him this question. He said, do you want to get well? That's like a stupid question, isn't it? To me, that's a really dumb question. Why would you bother asking him, do you want to get well? Why would he even have to ask him that? Let me say something to you. Any question that Jesus ever asked somebody, it's not a stupid question. You know how they say, you know, when you're at like a conference or something or a teaching, and they'll say, listen, there's no stupid questions. And all the rest of you are sitting around there and you're saying, yeah, there are some stupid questions people ask. No, no, any question. There's no stupid question. And the rest of the audience says, yes, there are. That was a stupid question. Well, this question that Jesus asked him, it wasn't a stupid question. There was a reason behind him asking it. Surely everybody wants to get well, don't they? But Jesus knew the question needed to be asked. The first point we have is, are you asking the right question? Asking the right question. When Jesus saw him laying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, 38 years is a long time, isn't it? He said to him, do you want to get well? The King James Version says it this way, wilt thou be made whole? The first question to be answered is whether he really wants to get better. Perhaps he had become comfortable in his surroundings. Let me describe them to you once again. He's in a tropical climate. It's a dry heat. Around him are beautiful stone walls. High stone walls. There's a palm tree here. There's a palm tree there. As he is in this place, he hears the gurgling of water running down this channel. And it comes down the channel, this cut in the rock, and it lands in a pool. And it splashes. There's a beautiful pool. By the pool, there are five colonnades or five porches. What do porches provide? They provide shade. Okay? They provide shade from the... So there's five porches there. Every so often, an angel comes and stirs the water. And he is laying there on a mat. He's laying on a mat. You know what that sounds like? That sounds like poolside in Vegas. I think we have a picture for you. Do we have a picture for me? The reality of this is when we see something like this, these are just cheap imitations of the beauty that would have been in the city of Jerusalem, around the city of Jerusalem. These ideas, they have these little sun things. That, what do they call those? Pergola? Pergolas. So they build these pergolas that kind of shade you a little bit. This dude is doing... Every day, when Jesus says to him, will thou be made whole? You've got to understand, he's laying by the pool every day. You work. Probably what time do you leave for work in the morning? 
5.30 in the morning, okay? Harley gets up every leaves to work at 5.30. What time do you get home? 5.30, 6 o'clock. Harley, how many days a week you work? Five, six days a week. A lot of Saturdays when he's working. Harley gets up, he's 5.30 to 6. That's 12 and a half hours a day. Five days a week for sure. Saturdays, whenever he has overtime, he has extra work. Matt, what time do you leave for work? 10 of 6. What time do you get home? 5, 6 o'clock. 12 hours a day, Matt's gone. You work Saturdays? Not too often. So, that's 12 hours a day. Mike, what time? Uh, I only ask how many hours you, how many hours are you gone a week? Most of the week. Okay. Sunday night to Friday. Thursday, Friday. Okay. Sleeping in the truck. All right. When Jesus asked him a question, there's a reason he asked the question. See, because most of you who are here today, most of the, the regular people are spending 50 weeks a year in hopes. Marty takes a vacation. I know where he goes. He goes to Ocean City. And they take a camper. And they sit by the pool once in a while or ride their bikes. 50 weeks a year working 60-some hours a week. So that for one or two weeks, usually for most people, it's maybe five or six days that they can go and sit by the pool. So that when Jesus says, wilt thou be made whole? See, we've always taken, oh, this poor guy, this terrible situation. I'm telling you, the dude, if he is made whole, something has to happen and change in his life. He doesn't get to spend 52 weeks a year laying by the pool. It's a beautiful place. He doesn't get, you know what? He has to make his own sandwiches. If you're the lame dude, I'm just telling you the way that it is. If you're the lame dude, you go there, you lay by the pool, and somebody else brings you a sandwich because they feel sorry for you. You poor guy. Oh, this is this is a shame. This guy, and this is rough. He's got it hard. So when Jesus says that to him, here's what he's saying. Are you willing to do something if I heal you? If you're made whole, you can't stay here any longer. You're going to have to get up. You're going to have to move. Your life's going to be different than what it is. And there's a lot of people, listen to me, there's a lot of people who've gotten comfortable in their situation. They've been there 38 years, and they're feeling sorry for themselves. They've been there 38 years, and, and they're used to people having pity upon them or or regret for them. So the thing is, the question that he asked him is, do you want to be made whole? The second point I want you to look at is the blame game and excuses. I want you to notice his response. His response is, sir, the input replies, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, Someone else goes ahead of me. Nobody will help me. The reason I'm in this situation is because no one here will do anything for me. Do you see that? I always thought, wow, this poor guy. How has he eaten for 38 years? I'm just wondering. How's he been eating for 38 years? Where's the food coming from? I can't spend 38 years in Vegas poolside. Okay? I might be nice to go out there and have to work out a little bit, have to get a little better tan and thin down, but I cannot afford to stay in Vegas poolside for 38 years. For some way, he's been able to do that, and he's still been able to eat. 
So he says, nobody will help me. His reply is quite common even today. He blamed other people. The reason I'm in this situation is because no one will help me. The person with the victim mentality always blames other people for their circumstances and their choices and their situations, especially when something's bad. If something bad happens, it's always somebody else's fault. How very convenient. Every difficult situation in my life is somebody else's fault. Nobody cares about me. Nobody will help me. Nobody's there for me, he says. I'd like to do a quick illustration. I need someone who will listen to me and do what I say. Stephen, do you listen? Will you do what I say? Okay, well, come on. Are you healthy? Okay, just sit down over here. Just sit right here. Put your feet up here. Just sit here for a minute. Stephen, for our sake today, is going to be the lame man. And he has a nice stand. He's been sitting beside the pool. He's been sitting beside the pool on his mat. What happened? What was the story that took place here? What would happen? What did he say? No one will help him do what? No one will help him get in the pool, right? Okay. No one's going to help him get in. I've seen the pool. I've been there. I've seen the excavations. I know what it looks like. There's steps that go down. But then there's areas on the side that it's a... Like a regular pool. Now, if I tell you to do something, you'll do it. You promise? Okay. Now, he could sit here and tell us how difficult his life is as he sits by the pool. Like, now, all this lame man had to do, like, lift your legs and arms up. Like, put your arms out, straight out. Yeah, just straight. Okay, that's good. Listen. Get your legs off the ground. Now, when I tell you to do something, you'll do it, right? Jerk yourself to the right really hard. Yeah. Now, do you think the guy could have done that? You think he could have just jerked his head? Stephen's pretty fit. He didn't have to be super fit just to jerk his head to the right. His legs don't have to work for him to jerk his head. His arms don't have to work for him to jerk his head. All he has to do is sit by the edge of the pool with his feet dangling in it. And whenever the water begins to move, just jerk his head. Okay? Give Stephen a round of applause. Thank you. Now, this man, here's what he does. That's all he had to do. All he had to do was sit on the edge of the pool. And whenever that water was stirred, just jerk his head. You know, just lean. He could just let his head just stop controlling it, let it fall to the side, and he would have rolled into the pool. Yet in his mind, he was in the situation that he was in because of somebody else. Do you hear that? I'm in this situation because of somebody else. All of those people who won't help me. I want you to notice how Jesus responds to him. Jesus does not sit him down for a marathon counseling session. He doesn't pity him 
or send the disciples to gather around him and pick him up and throw him into the pool. You see, if that would have helped the man, Jesus would have done it. If that's what he would have needed, he would have done it. He was in the situation he was in, and the things that he was doing were not working. Do you ever notice that people sometimes get into situations, what they're doing isn't working? They're still stuck in the same circumstance. Jesus, what he does is Jesus gives him what he needs. And that's our third point. He gives him an honest rebuke. Look at the person next to you say, you're going to get an honest rebuke. I don't, but, but I don't like an honest rebuke. I don't want someone to rebuke. I don't want someone to, to rebuke me. That sounds so harsh. Does that sound as harsh? As spending all of your life and accomplishing nothing? Does that sound as harsh as being trapped, supposedly, in the situation that you're in? Being miserable, being unhappy, being dissatisfied? Wouldn't it be much better if someone would come up and give you an honest rebuke if it was, you know, jerk your head to the right and it got you out of your situation? Look at verse 8. Then Jesus said to him, I'm going to do the NIV. NIV says, Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. Imagine someone having to lay here and hear the waterfalls every day. This is hard. I don't think he said it. I don't think he's like, you know, do you want to get up? Would you like to rise? I think, I think it was a command to him. You've laid here long enough. You've wasted enough of your life, 38 years. He says to him, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. Now, here's the thing. I, this is my theology. I think when he said, get up, I think it startled this guy. And so a lot of times when we're in that situation, people baby us. And they pity us. And they feel sorry for us. And we feel sorry for ourselves. Jesus said, get up. I think it was one of those things like when dad would yell. And like before I knew it, my feet were out of bed. And, you know, I'm still asleep, but I'm walking. I think that might have been what happened to this guy. And, and pick up your mat, too. Where were you raised in a barn? Pick up your mat. Make your bed. Let's go. I can imagine Jesus saying that to him. Get up. Take up your mat. And whenever he jumped up, immediately he was healed. Now, you say, well, Pastor, that sounds cool for him. But what about me? I'm in the situation that I'm in. You know, and as I prepared this message, I thought about all the people who have been hurt. Thought about all the people who've been disappointed, and all the people who've been abused, and all the people who've suffered loss, and all the people who've had unfair things happen to them. And now they view themselves as a victim. See, when you're a victim, you don't have to take responsibility for yourself or your actions because I'm hurt. The reason their life is the way. It is, is because all of us have our thing. We all have the reason why our life is the way it is, why the circumstances are the way they are. If my mom would have just been different, if my dad would have been different, if this tragedy hadn't happened in my life, if this difficulty hadn't came into my life. And so now because of that, I have a right to be angry. I have a right to be bitter. I have a right to be irresponsible. I have a right to do pretty much what I want. If I want to lay by the pool, 
in my life. You don't know the difficulties that I've experienced. What do they tell you to remind me of? Calculated risk. When the Lord put this message on my heart, and I put a title on it, I knew that by doing it, I was going to take a calculated risk. Because there's a very good possibility that when I start preaching, and that you hear the word, do you want to be a victim forever? That someone was going to automatically start, they just start turning their heart off. In just a moment, before long, they'd start to take offense, and, and they'd say, well, I'm hurt. There's terrible stuff that happens in our life. Some of you have been through it. And people would say, here would be the thing. There would be certain people, I'm not saying certain people, but there's a mentality when you start talking about this kind of stuff. There's a mentality where someone says, you hurt me. You don't know what I've been through. And so as they hear this message, they start to turn it off automatically. They just start to turn it off. And what happens is they add my name to the list of people who've hurt them. I thought Pastor Joe would do it, but I didn't think Pastor would ever talk to me like that. Pastor Joe, I know he's a little, a little more to the point, but not Pastor. I can't believe it. I can't believe he's so insensitive.
You don't have to stay there. You've been set free. God has changed your life. He's put you upon a rock. He's given you today. He's asking you the question, will thou be made whole? Uh, I don't know. Get up! Don't lay there any longer. Pick up your mat and take off. God's got good things in store for you. So today, here is the word for you. The word of the Lord for you today is that if you desire, if you desire to be free, I'm going to tell you what, we're going to name some things. Depression. It don't have to control you. You've been abused. You've had horrible things. In a room this size, we say there's been people who have experienced horrendous things, horrendous difficulties. The Lord would say to you today, arise, take up your mat, and walk. You've been disappointed. You've been hurt. You've been frustrated. Negative things have come your way. But it does not have to be the thing that controls your life. So many people, we have these short periods of time where something happens in our life, and we think that somehow that labels us for the rest of our lives. That's not what you are. God has given you a new name. He purchased you with his blood. He's forgiven you. All of the mistakes we've made, he's forgiven us. And so you don't have to be controlled by those things. But if I baby you today, oh, poor thing. Yeah, go ahead. Feel miserable for another 20 years. Why don't you feel miserable until you die? Okay? Yeah, yeah. Let me bring you an iced tea and a peanut butter and jelly sandwich every once in a while. Let me bring you an iced tea. Is that what you want? But if you stay there, if you allow him to heal you, you can't stay there. You can't stay there. You can't keep You can go to the pool once in a while, but you're going to be busy doing his work. You're going to be accomplishing things for the glory of God. You're going to be serving other people. You're going to be advancing his kingdom. You're going to be accomplishing things instead of being controlled by something that someone said years ago or something that someone did or some negative experience or something that happened up in your job. You know what we're talking about. The Holy Spirit will speak to you today and you'll know exactly what he's talking about. He'll point out that thing. And this is what we'd say to you today. We'd say to you this, that Jesus said, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. Leave this place. Don't stay in that place of depression, that place of discouragement, that place of being a victim. Do you want to be a victim the rest of your life? If you want to be, you can. There were a lot of people who stayed there. But you know what? I think that the Holy Spirit is walking through this room. I know it's for somebody. Can I say this to you? You don't need deliverance. There's times that you need deliverance. Today's not one of those times. You don't have to come up here. I'm not against that. You don't have to fall under the power of God. I'm prophesying to you now. I'm preaching to you the word of God. That's powerful enough. Okay? You don't have to have us call you out and tell you when your birthday is and who your grandmother was and what she said and what she did. We don't have to do any of that. I can simply speak the word of God to you and say, arise. I can say, arise to you. And if you, if you obey the command of the Lord today, you can walk out of here and be free from those things. The reality of it is, is you're already free, but you keep yourself tied to it. You keep allowing the enemy's accusations and they're saying, oh, yeah, poor me, poor me. But you can't keep pitying yourself. You can't keep feeling sorry for yourself. You can't be feeling bad for yourself. You can't stay connected to that old way of living. 
what he wants you to do is he wants you to enjoy his favor and his blessings on your life. He wants you to be filled with praise and thanksgiving. You're not a victim, you're a victor. You're an overcomer. And you know, who does the prize go to? It doesn't go to the victor. The prize goes to him who overcomes. That's what we are. We're not those who shrink back. We're those who overcome. So as we pray, I don't even have to pray for you. I just declare it over you. You're free in Jesus' name. You are free in Jesus' name. We don't have to shake our, you know, wave our hand and, and bow and kneel. We don't have to do anything. I just declare to you in Jesus' name that those powers that held you captive, I say to you, arise and walk. Depression, go. Boom. It's done. In Jesus' name, it's done. He's already done it. The shame, some of you live under shame. It's gone. In Jesus, it tries to come back. It doesn't mean it won't try to come back. You say, no, you don't have any power over me. Addictions and, and the, the habits and the controls, they do not have rightful ownership over you because Jesus Christ died upon the cross and shed his blood for your victory and for mine. So it's yours, brother. It's your sister. Why don't you just walk in it? All right? Father, in Jesus' name, we say thanks for the victory. Thank you that we can rise up and walk. Thank you that you've already done it. And we're not going to stutter around. We just say praise you. Let's go and do what you've called us to do. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. God bless you.